0: Totally Football Show. In a big week for former friends, Ancelotti in Paris, Ronaldo at Old Trafford, David Schwimmer in a Blackpool convenience store, we look back on the midweek action, which left some teams as lifted as Ross's cans of lager. Plus, we look forward too, because there's a big weekend ahead of us, what with Spurs taking on Man City, Le Classique in France, and El Clasico in the Liga. It's all in this Totally Football Show. you are, listener. Delighted to say that I'm joined here on this Totally Football Show by Duncan Alexander. Hi, James. Hi, Duncan. Have you got big stats about this week? There were a lot of games, so that means there's a lot of stats. Brilliant. Excellent. Carl Anker joins oh. us. An oily sailor and an anchor as one. No. Very sharp, listener pointed out. We should uh, have our own detective show. Excellent. Were you excited by the midweek round of fixtures in the Champions
1: League? I very much was, uh, to the point where I didn't particularly watch my own football side, Manchester United. Oh, right, OK. There were too many other things to enjoy.
0: Certainly were, and star of TV's award-winning The Goal Show, <laughs> Julien Laurent. Hello, James. Julien, we've just sat through two nights of intense continental action.
2: Yeah, just about recovered from Angel Di Maria's last-minute equaliser. What a goal, what a goal. All right,
0: well, let's talk about all those midweek delights and frights in the Champions League. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in
3: association with Paddy Power.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Match day three was got underway with the iconic image of Mourinho walking to the stadium down a, a boulevard of broken dreams while the Man United bus lingered back in the Mancunian traffic. It was a midweek that saw big winners. Liverpool, Man City, Barcelona without Leo Messi and perhaps above all Borussia Dortmund who handed El Cholo Simeone his biggest ever defeat at Atleti.
1: Who impressed you, Karl Anker? Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. They are... Phenomenal, uh, just a delight to, to watch play football. Lucian Favre teams historically outperform stats in a way that we cannot properly explain. So, wow. uh, you can look at XG, which is expected goals. Uh, X- yeah,
0: so Rafa was saying this last night, Rafael Honigstein, that they are outperforming their XG by about 100%. Now, I don't know if Rafa, he's quite prone to exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure 100%. Uh, right, but what down, does that but... actually mean, Duncan?
4: Well, Carl's right. There are teams, I mean, I'm not comparing Dortmund with Burnley, but Burnley very much did that last season as well. Right. You, know, you look at the numbers and they shouldn't have finished as high as they did. Yeah. So, mm, we did. They
0: certainly shouldn't have scored four goals last night. Firstly, because they were without their goal machine, Paco Alcacer. And secondly, because they were facing the team we build as the meanest event anywhere in Europe, Atletico Madrid. Yeah,
4: it was the first time Atletico had considered four in any game, in any competition since the 2014 final against Real um, and
2: that was after extra time. Exactly.
4: So I, so, I mean, as you said earlier, it was the first time. It was the biggest defeat for uh, Simeone as well. So, you know, it really is a kind of statement win, that one. Mm.
0: Mm. Carl, speaking of statements, did you finish yours or did I rudely leap in?
1: No. Well, well, the point I was trying to make was this is particularly interesting for Favre because all of his sides outperformed their stats. So, mm. his uh, niece side outperformed their XG and their you know, supposed goals scores and supposed goals conceded, which leads me to believe he's some sort of alchemist and the missing ingredient to football is love because he seems to just bring out an extra 20% from young players uh, supposed to dropouts and burnouts from other sides and to get them to perform and, and score you know, 94th minute free kick goals in the case of Akersa or getting Jadon Sancho to do ridiculous things
0: Come on, four minutes later, Bosch. Exactly. Let to go, Madrid.
4: But, I mean, this is the essence of what makes a really good football manager. And mm-hmm. it's possibly what Mu has, has lost <laughs> nowadays. Because, you know, you look at people like Klopp as well, and they're just getting extra out of players.
2: Um, and that's what makes a good football manager. Right. Abdou Diallo, who is the young French defender at Dortmund, who is going to be a superstar and soon be called up for France, was saying that... When Favre arrived uh, in the first few training sessions, uh, Favre stopped him at some point during a match, a little exercise, and Diallo was saying, "Like I didn't know, I didn't know what he was going to tell me." And obviously, Favre speaks French very well, being Swiss, and uh, he said, "Listen, listen, Abdul, your hands are all over the place." And Diallo was saying it was the first time ever a coach, and he's been, you know, he's played for France in all age group, US team. Had that from, but no, no, in the sense that Favre told him where to put uh, his hands to become better and Diallo uh, said it was a revelation. And where? that's the kind of details. Well, he was saying that his arms and his hands were in the wrong positions, whether he was on the ball or not. Mm. And the way he positioned his arms and his body and etc. I really want to know where the hands should be. No, I'm not. No, you know, it, de- well, it depends. It, it, it been, depends where it, the ball sometimes, right. Actually yeah. Sometimes
1: you can, um, especially if you're trying to show a player on their weaker foot, you can gesture with your hand and arm. But this is an available channel. I'd like you to attack me on. Or you can do what kulibali did.
0: while yeah, defending against Mbappé and, <laughs> and Shon Rui
2: Mario yeah, Rui, yeah. <laughs> but funny. it was just a point to. I think with Favre is all about the detail, and right. he's he's very demanding, which is why I think after a certain amount of times, I think the players I've had enough a bit of him being so demanding and so all about details and everything. But when he works, he works like he did at Nice and even better now Dortmund. How crazy can we go about Dortmund? Can we call them dark horses for the Champions League? I don't think they can win the Champions League. They can win the Bundesliga for sure, Mm. but I'm not sure they can win the Champions League. However, they've got a better depth of squad than I think we think because... You know, Janet Sancho was on the bench yesterday. Rafael Guerrero was on the bench. They yeah. had a really... Julian Weigel was on the bench. They had a really strong bench last night. Götze so coming in like for uh, Alcacer, yeah. looking really and good. Yeah, and Alcacer was not even there. Mm. So you could even think that Götze would be on the bench if Alcacer would start. It's a very, very good squad they have.
4: Right. I mean, Sancho's
2: making a case to be one of the best
4: substitutes ever in football. I mean, his last six games, he's got a goal and assist, two assists, then an assist, then an assist, then a goal, then a goal. And he's only started three of those games. Um, he's
1: brilliant. He's the top creative player in Europe's top five leagues at the moment based on just output which leads me to believe that Favre not only is he very you know focused attention to detail he's clearly very good at putting his arm around a player's shoulder Mm. and basically going you're doing very well keep doing what you're doing and is again the secret ingredient is love yeah
0: and hands
2: and hands
1: and hands
0: clearly and arms Uh, who else was impressive Napoli Napoli were impressive I know PSG came back with that incredible goal From Angel Di Maria, which, uh, although it's saved on the point, leaves PSG still in third place in that group behind Liverpool and Napoli. But that that was quite a game at the Parc des Princes.
2: It was. I have to say, I was really impressed with Napoli uh, going away from home and putting up that kind of performance collectively. They were so well organised, so disciplined, but had so much creativity going forward as well whether it was uh, in transition whether they had the ball in PSG's half I thought the fullbacks were great I thought Callejon and Insigne and Mertens worked so well together and it's just that there there was such a gap in that first half between what they could do and what they were doing and what PSG on the other hand were doing that it actually scared me commentating on that game on on BT and it got a bit better in the second half for for Paris but Napoli deserved to win that game every day of the week and really it was it was a lucky escape for PSG. How worried are you about PSG getting out of the group or not? No, I I am. I am. I still I still think they can do it. But They've it's got to it's, go to
0: Red Star, got to go to Naples.
2: Yeah, 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 and and Liverpool at the des Prince, which for me right. from the beginning was always going to be in match day 5 was always going to be the key game anyway because I think it was always going to be a very tight group. It's just collectively, I mean, individually, there's no problem. It's just collectively when you see Napoli last night. And I know they've been playing together for a long, long time, longer than this PSG team have done. Mm. If you think about it, there's still a long way out of, or even Juventus that we so, so super dominant now, travel on Tuesday night. This is where I think collectively Tuchel and PSG have a long way to go. And I'm not even sure they can get there this season even, mm. you know, even towards the end of the season. There's so much work to do.
0: Man City heading to Donetsk, Kharkiv and a uh, place where of course, uh, Shakhtar enjoys such a fantastic record they never lost at home to wherever that home might be too in english well, yeah, side a
4: few a few pedants pointed out that they'd you know wasn't always in uh, donetsk but yeah it was a really impressive performance by city obviously the biggest thing there was de bruyne coming back i think mm. um from a very bad start to the group they're now top which is almost the the perfect response really so um you know they i think their favorites to win the champions league and Seems fair.
0: All right, we got. Well, apparently, shares. there's some odds. <laughs> Who knew? There are odds coming up later <laughs> on. Uh, but okay, so they they looked absolutely fantastic. We'll talk more about Man City later, but uh, Liverpool equally making a short work of uh, of Red Star Belgrade.
4: Yeah, that was the first time the, the front three had all scored in the same game since the 5 2 win against Roma.
0: It's the ninth time they've done it since the start of last season, was a stat that the stats man yeah. was saying last night. I don't know how interesting that is.
4: Well, I mean, I think more interesting is the fact that it hadn't happened this season, which is obviously right. the thing that. You're right. Yeah. The thing that. Everyone had been pointing out that they were struggling to get up speed. But, I mean, we do have to caveat that a bit like Manchester United's win against young boys, this was against a Red Star team who haven't been super impressive, particularly away from home, but even so.
0: Like the old saying, Red Star at night, Liverpool front three's delight. And Mo Salah reaching 50 goals. That's just crazy. In what, 65 games? 65, yeah. 65 games. Barcelona got a win. A lot of question marks about how well they would cope without the man who had effectively won them that game. At Wembley against Spurs, uh, the answer is uh, they look quite comfortable. Messi looked extremely comfortable on the sidelines. We saw more of him, I think, than we saw of the actual
2: match. And his two sons, yeah, two of his three sons.
0: He particularly enjoyed, uh, as indeed many people did,
2: Brozovic laying his body on the line uh, for that free kick. The good thing was he was not he was on the uh, he was on the wall, Brozovic. And mm-hmm. when he saw, or when I think when Suarez started running to take the free kick, then Brozovic quickly dived down to cover the bottom of the wall, if you want, when yep. all the walls were jumping. I've seen so it done how did before. He know? How did he know that it's Suarez
0: was going to do that?
2: Done before, so I've seen... But, but not, not with the diving, right? No, I've not seen with it the with dive. someone just standing behind the wall yes, right. at the bottom of the wall. but with never a long the diving. Yeah. cricket
1: technique. Mm. So mm. we used to have a quite... You'd have someone do a long barrier underneath, behind the wall, just in case someone tried to sweep it underneath. Right. Um, but that's the first time I've seen a player dive and be <laughs> fully... Um, horizontal. It's a hockey pocket. move,
0: to be fair. in ice hockey,
1: that's something that you would do. But, yes. They but, are special breed ice hockey players. Yeah. But um, but how did he know? Uh, Barcelona have form for this. Uh, Ronaldinho famously has scored two or three Champions League free kicks by sweeping underneath the wall. Messi's done it before as well. Um, this is known to Barcelona to every now and again go, let's try and sneak it under the wall. It is and, and when it works, it's so... Glorious to watch.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, Barcelona looking good in that group. Spurs, uh, not as successful. Well, Barcelona looking good. Inter really didn't test them, I have to say. Very disappointing performance. I wonder how good Inter really are, or whether they've just been kind of bigged up by those those late goals. Yeah, uh, they only had two shots on
4: target, and they came very late. They were on course to repeat their famous 2010 game when they didn't have a shot on target away in Barcelona. But obviously, that one had a, a happy outcome.
0: Mm-hmm. Spurs, meanwhile, plenty of shots in that game. They went to PSV and uh, came away with a 2-2 draw. Now, this was billed by Pochettino himself as a must-win game, and they didn't win it, so what now? Uh,
2: Europa League, most likely. It is, it's
4: The uh, the Arsenal-Tottenham Europa League final yeah. dream is very much on. In
2: Azerbaijan, yeah. that's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great probably, North London derby. Um, it, but but Posh said after the game, sorry, sorry mm-hmm. car, he said, if you don't win these kind of games, you, mm. you don't deserve to be... Going further in this competition, and I think there's been a lot of things going against them in that game. The Lloris sending off is crazy. I don't know what they expected goals were, but, but they, missed, you, well, it, they missed. Can you say that going against? I mean, that was their own player. Doing yeah, something. no, but circumstances in the game. Mm. So you know that sometimes a red card kind of covers up something.
4: It's not really that important, but this really was because PSV hadn't had a shot in the second yes, half oh, okay. so right. until Lloris got sent off. Mm. Um, Spurs were completely in control, and then Lloris. Went a well.
0: There was some discussion about a Spurs, what would have been Spurs' opening goal from Davison Sanchez. Why was that ruled out?
1: The well, linesman didn't see uh, the PSV defender on his line. It, so it ch- was wrong. It was very much wrong. He should have stood. Um, well, yeah. I think
4: it was more for Kane interfering with the, you know, the sight of the ball. But it
0: was behind. Other, but yeah, it, it, it was it, behind it, the keeper as
1: well. It, it should have stood. Yeah. In my, so
0: Spurs should have had a win.
1: Yes, but Spurs are Spurs. They they will find tragicomic fast. Wherever possible,
0: Spurs, yeah. Spurs listeners. I, I'm sorry about what Carl just said. <laughs> I am
1: not. I, I'm. I I'm very opinion. worried about Hugo Lloris. Yeah. Ah, oh, don't start. On no, a, don't start. Not, a, not on a, a footballing level, but in right. a personal level. Personal level. Yeah. Um, um, well,
0: Julian, you were saying the same thing yesterday. I don't know why you're suddenly uh, defending him. We gave him praise
2: after the West Ham. No, and he deserved it. I think he and he has those mistakes in him. I think. Mm. Increasingly,
4: is it fair to say that well, it's no, increasingly. always been there. I out a few weeks ago that last season only check Made more errors leading to a goal in the Premier League than Lloris.
2: I think he had five last year. Four, or five last five, year? Yeah. Five, yeah. Five. His
1: mistakes at the same level. But what was noted was Pochettino's absorption of the criticism. Basically, Larice made no mistakes. If you want to blame anyone, blame me. Which is something he said repeatedly when Hugo Larice, his captain, has made mistakes. Mm. Um, which leads me to believe Pochettino and Lloris must have had some very serious conversations where Poch is going, I'm going to bat for you. Could you please get your affairs in order? Because I really need you to do better. And Lloris can't, which is quite sad. I, I'd, I'd expect better from a World Cup winning captain of a side in the Champions League. And he doesn't feel like
2: maybe he's got the strongest defence in front of him anymore. Hence the extra work that he feels he has to do like coming out yesterday because Lozano was through on goal kind of thing and I think he feels like that and he makes the wrong choices in those situations a bit like against Barcelona um, but, but Lloris was always told me always said but other players do mistakes mm. it's just that for a goalkeeper if you get it wrong just once yeah. that should be very costly but for a
1: goalkeeper of his standard and his ability and of his uh, experience he is making more mistakes than I would expect from a goalkeeper
2: Well,
0: also in Champions League news, struggling giants Bayern Munich and Real Madrid both got wins over minnows. For all the good it'll do, Real Madrid manager Jürgen Lopetegui. We'll hear more about his predicament later on when we discuss the Clasico coming up this weekend. But the other struggling colossus of the game, Man United, couldn't achieve that. Man United beaten 1-0 at home by Juventus. We'll just have a quick break and we'll come back with thoughts on that. Yeah, I remember it well—the excitement of European football on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. I miss it so much. I've joined a local amateur dramatics group just to fill the gap it left in my life. Put down that script, sad Chelsea fan. With the same game multi from Paddy Power, the Champions League is exciting again, even for you. And you'll get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold same game multi lets you down. Paddy Power. Enough of the nonsense. Applies to pre-match fourfold same game multi bets on Champions League matches. Max free bet £10 per customer per day. Minimum odds. Exclude shop bets. seasons and cs seas apply. 18+. bet
3: on Spotify, Smart Speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Bubble Show from Muddy Knees Media.
0: Carl Anker, Man United fans, what will they make of Tuesday night, the 1 0 defeat at home to Juventus? What will they make also of uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, comments afterwards saying Juventus is a different level of quality? I have to be honest. Uh, also, we didn't have Fellaini to change the direction of the game. <sighs>
1: He's, he's right and it, it, it shows how far Manchester United have fallen it was a 1-0 drubbing it was uh, a much older bigger kid holding a smaller kid out at arm's length while Manchester United had very little to offer in that game Juventus are far superior look far more coherent look as if they have a game plan and will challenge for the Champions League whereas Manchester United look like they will be lucky Right to to reach the knockout rounds.
0: Well, it's because Man, it's because uh, Juventus got so much money to spend compared to <laughs> Man United. Well, hang on, Man United are number one in the money league, and Juve were tenth. Tenth. And Man United have spent more money than Juventus. Indeed.
1: And uh, Manchester United have an like eighty million pound difference in wage bill, I believe. Um, and a
0: certain midfielder, they spent quite a
4: lot
1: of money on from just, Juventus. Just one. Just one. Yeah. Uh, when you consider how part of, of Juventus' midfield, uh, Bentacor, Pjanic, uh, and Blaise Matudi cost 54 million, I believe, depending on where wow. you get your numbers from, where Fred costs 52 and is nowhere to be found right now. Um, it, it shows the massive disorganisation of Manchester United and the fantastic organisation that Juventus have had in the last seven years, basically. Yeah. Juventus are a superb side, Manchester United are a side heading nowhere. Led by a manager who doesn't care about anything other than himself.
0: Well, the, the man who built you, of course, is currently out there on the jobs market if, if United wanted Beppe Marotta, although there is talk he might pitch up at Inter, which would certainly be uh, interesting. Interesting. Duncan. I thought it was quite telling that Mourinho
4: named an unchanged lineup. It's the first time he'd done that since December last year. Um, it was very much a, oh, look, we got a 2 2 at Chelsea. Maybe, maybe I've hit on the perfect uh, alchemy. Uh, he hadn't. Spoiler. Um, he didn't even make a sub, which is yeah. very rare. I mean, he was famous, you know, remember at Chelsea, he'd always make. So he once took two players off, I think Joe Cole and Damien Duff, after like 20 minutes at mm. Fulham. Um, yeah, and he did the, the ale tail special.
0: Well, he loves communicating via the medium of subs and lineups, etc. The-, the suspicion comes that he used the entire match to send a message here. He just left it, was happy with the defeat.
1: The most telling post-match comment was when he, he talked about Juventus' strength and depth and he said, yes, of course, they have Ronaldo and, and Dybala, but uh, Mr. Cellini, Mr. Bonucci, I think they should go to Harvard to give masterclasses in defending because they're absolutely fantastic. Which is more or less him going to Edward, buy me a central defender, buy me a central defender, buy me a central defender. Mm. Matches United should have bought a central defender, but at the same time, Bonucci and uh, Cellini cost £13 million together, where... You know, Eric Baye, Manchester United, in theory best centre back, cost thirty million and Mourinho doesn't like him because Mourinho forgot that the most important ingredient is love. Absolutely. I love the way
2: he dressed though. He was so smartly dressed, wasn't he? Almost like if it was a big occasion and then it turned out to be such a crappy game with his <laughs> tactics. I mean, they played so deep in that first which surely must have been the game plan. Yeah, mm. yeah. Just don't don't try to attack. Just let's let's go draw it. Let's go nil nil here it looked exactly like that, that they didn't even try, Hmm. I think. And maybe even if they had tried, they would have lost two or three, but at least you would have tried. Now you lost, it could have been far more than one, you lost, but you didn't even try. You played so deep, there was nothing in their game for an hour. And then Juve, they were so comfortable that I think they they dropped their intensity a little bit and United had that shot by Pogba on the post, but that was it. But they didn't even try for an hour.
0: What do you make of Luke Shaw's comments afterwards about the, the team should have been pressing higher and been more aggressive?
2: Yeah, but they were not. And it's exactly what Pogba said not long ago in that yeah. mix zone after the the Wolves game, where he said, it's all, you know, we are here at Old Trafford, we should attack, attack, attack. And you can attack Juventus and maybe, yeah, maybe you get a 3-0 defeat, but at least you tried. They didn't even try And It's one of those cliches where all fans of most clubs, perhaps
4: not so all, but um, always think their team should attack, you know, that their team has an attacking tradition. But Manchester United really do, particularly in the Champions League, even when they used to get beaten by Galatasaray, they still went out to try and win the
1: game, whereas this was just so kind of insipid. It's yes. 30% possession for Manchester United in the first half, which...
4: And it, one shot, is that right? Yeah. It's, their final it, XG was 0.29, which in a home game is... terrible.
1: Just, it, it speaks to... You know, the idea was basically after the Newcastle comeback and the Chelsea supposed comeback if not for Ross Barkley that Mourinho had sorted himself out had apologised and, and and helped Manchester United find their feet but it seems as if no it just seems to be Manchester United individual United players once again playing for personal pride I'm mm. um, particularly worried about Romelu Lukaku who hasn't scored in scored or assisted in eight he looks far too bulky for his frame now and has lost a half yard of pace and he just seems isolated and tired. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Lukaku because of course the next game for Man United is uh, against
0: one of his former clubs, Everton. Uh, Football 365 pointing out that uh, in those eight games since that 2-1 win at Watford, he's neither scored nor created a goal for anyone else. He's managed just four shots in four Premier League games, none of which have been on target. Lukaku is operating at the same level creatively as Cardiff centre back Sean Morrison concludes football three six five, nicely done. But just like sixty four players have
1: had a shot on target since Lukaku lost hat. Wow!
2: Why is it? You one need one service one? though. You need some service. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Lukaku or uh-huh. against him or what, but I think if if there's no Good service to you. You could be anyone apart from Messi and Ronaldo, and and struggle. You,
4: you I think. You think how dynamically he was used every Everton. You know. Martinez would put him out wide for some games. But, you know he had oh. pace. It, yeah, he's kind of symptomatic of the of the massive malaise at the
2: club. Definitely. And just just to hit on the 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 words by Mourinho about being way way behind the level of you know Juventus and and City. David Moyes got slaughtered for saying that you know. They were they were behind City and trying to get to the level of City and even if, if even if it's true and even if Mourinho believes that they, and they are way behind as we saw Juventus and teams like that just don't say it. There's no need for him to say it. But Moyes got slaughtered and, and Mourinho seems to have got away with it a bit. Mm. Well, he took a hike to the stadium once again. After that brief
0: ray of ray of hope in the Stamford Bridge game, we're left wondering if he'll soon be taking a hike. From it, car.
1: I hope so. He, he got his buzz cut, and then they beat Newcastle. So I was very disappointed. Um, I, I mean, there's a wonderful dimension where Manchester United hire Juventus's former CEO, and then go off and hire uh, Jardim, and they figure it out, and then transform Antony Martial into Thierry Henry 2.0. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I think that idea. will happen in this reality, but I, I can dream. It's interesting though, because.
0: Champions of 2017 in England, Spain, France and Germany. The managers are all out of work at the moment. You've got Jardim, let go by Monaco after their spectacular uh, decline. uh, Conte, Zidane. And Haincus. And uh, Haincus, of course.
2: for yeah, I think Jardim, because it's a rebuilding job that needs to be done at United, not just over you know half of a season or one transfer window but a bit more of that I think Mm. Jardim would be good I I know Jardim is not a sexy name and I know he's not bling bling and all of that but he's a hard working manager who has plenty of love in him for his Mm. players
1: and who is a rebuilding mastermind can play pragmatic football can play wide expansive attacking football he's fantastic with developing youth prospects he is the long term manager Manchester United desperately need but he also needs a director of football on top of him so Manchester United can start planning for the next decade because if they don't They're going to be a year zero AC Milan, early two thousand Serie A side just spending money on frivolous toys. I see. In the short term, what's going to happen when they host Everton on Sunday at four o'clock in an exciting clash of Portuguese managers? Richarlison's going to have a ball, basically, because Manchester United's defence isn't very good. Expect more set-piece goals to be conceded by Manchester United. One in four goals Manchester United concede in the league are from set-pieces. Really? Uh, Basically, they're particularly bad at that.
4: Yeah, I mean, De Gea has conceded 16 goals this season in the Premier right. League. He didn't concede 17 last season to the end of January. Wow. So my hunch is he's going to get there earlier this year, possibly <laughs> yeah. even this weekend.
0: <laughs> see, although he did well not to concede the 17th on that shot from Ronaldo. That was in the Champions League. Oh, I see. But,
4: but still, but yeah, it was very amazing. good save. That was sort of last season, De Gea. Yeah, yeah. it was good.
0: All right. okay.
4: and Marco you... Silva
2: being really good at making good substitution as well as we saw in the last game we talked about you know, good, what good managers have before and one of their best attributes has to be how you can change a game with your substitutions we... and Jose Mourinho hasn't done that for a very long time well he did a bit with Newcastle when Alexis Sanchez came on and scored but you know, I think Marco Silva like Unai Emery with Arsenal as well are mm-hmm. uh, one of the, the ones doing the best in, in the Premier League so far this season Wow. alright
0: well more Premier League then After this. Manchester 10 of the season begins with Manchester City and Liverpool on top. Then three teams, Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs, only two points behind. The big game is, without question, Spurs-Man City on Monday night. Feels like there's more than two points of difference between Spurs and Man City. But the fact is that 90 minutes of football, Spurs could end up a point ahead of Guardiola's side. It's a very strange season so far. I mean...
4: Tottenham have won seven of their nine games, which is something only 83 teams have ever done in 120 years of English football I'm history. Sorry. 83 teams wow. have done it. 120, 120 years, which isn't you know many, mm. but they're fifth. So it's just the top five are all, you know, pro- producing points at a rate that you wouldn't expect. Um, and how long can it go on?
0: I don't know. I reckon <laughs> it stops on Monday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the league table is lying to you. They say the league table doesn't like, sometimes it does. You, you can get, especially of a small sample size as nine games, you can overperform outside your performances. I think Arsenal will fall away soon. I think Spurs are going to fall away. This is the beginning of the end for this particular Spurs project. Oh, um,
0: strong words, gone. Carl. Christian Eriksen back. That was, the, the, I guess, the best news about the, the midweek game away at PSV. As for City midweek, we touched on this before, but no easy feat to go to Shakhtar and, and, and come away with a win.
2: But a win of that fashion, they, they were absolutely dominant from start to finish. They could have scored eight goals easily, maybe 10 even. They had so many chances. I mean, Riyad mares uh, Aguero... Gabriel I mean everyone Bernardo Silva came in and scored a wonderful goal proving once again that for me he's if not the best player in the Premier League right now not far at all from being the best player in the Premier League I just think he's outstanding and with Kevin De Bruyne he's his first start of the season after his injury showing already that kind of form is scary and I think if you're Spurs and a Spurs fan it's, it's getting really scary to see that the only thing I would say about that game is the Shakhtar game yeah and I'm not sure if I like it or not from Pep. And I understand that managers have a different agenda than, than me. Mm-hmm. But Zinchenko was his first return to Ukraine. Obviously, he, he was at Shakhtar before going to Man City as a kid, mm-hmm. well, as a, as, a, as a teenager. So he's obviously very excited to go back to, to Ukraine, right? They put him up for the press conference the day before the game, which is usually someone who's going to play the following day. He gets 25, uh, 27 tickets for his family and friends to travel to Kharkiv for the game. He's in the stands, and and I know Pep, and I know I'm not I'm not a football manager, you know, and I get that. And Pep has his ideas, and but don't tell me in a game you have, you dominated from start to finish where you could have won ten nil, that you couldn't have put him on the bench and just give him two minutes at the end yeah. for his family and friends just to see him there. They're, they're here. When, when is he going to come back next? I don't know and I was really disappointed I have to say I know it's silly and stupid No it's not
0: silly it's about the love Yeah
2: and Pep has plenty of love for his players usually Mm. that's why I didn't understand why that happened on on Tuesday night I I didn't I feel bad for him
0: Of course uh, this might be a good time to catch City you know with dissent brewing over lack of game time and of course a long trip to Ukraine to recover from I'm not sure No okay Can they do it Duncan? Spurs? Yeah No (laughs) Come on
4: They've actually got quite a bad record um, against the Big Six. 3-1 only-
0: and 4-1 to City last season.
4: Yeah, and uh, I think only Arsenal of the Big Six kind of struggle more in, in Big Six games. So, yeah, I, I just can't see City slowing down. I mean, it's arguable City have actually, you know, they should be better in the league than they are. I know they're top, but, you know, they probably should could have even won all nine games. Mm. So.
0: Indeed. All right. Well, City spurs on Monday... Uh, Chelsea and Arsenal don't play till Sunday, which means Liverpool can go clear on top for at least 24 hours if they manage to pick up three points in what looks like being a tough clash. And Anfield with Neil Warnock's bluebirds of war. Angry bluebirds, I'm calling them. The, the last meeting between these two clubs sounds interesting. It was back in 2014. Cardiff actually scored three times. At Liverpool, they scored six, yeah, including was... a brace from Martin Skirtle. Yeah, it was that period when Liverpool were winning every
4: game and Suarez was scoring tons and tons of goals. Um, I was like thinking back over Neil Warnock's history of grudges, Neil <laughs> Warnock, and he had obviously had a famous one against Liverpool when... Uh, when he was Sheffield United manager, and Steven Gerrard won a, a fairly dubious penalty later on in the in the opening game of the season, um, Warnock at that point was on wasn't on the bench. He was in the stands because he was already serving a touchline ban for abusing Leeds a referee in the Leeds game the, the previous season. After which he said. Um, I don't blame Graham Pohl I thought he had an excellent match this is one of the things I'm looking forward to next season getting top referees who know what they're doing and then in the very first game he then had to launch into an attack on the referee so it's just I love Nick Warnock yeah
0: excellent although he does seem to have calmed down a little bit you know with the passing of time No, uh,
4: he's had a few you know pops this year yeah but
0: good-natured ones, I think. Yeah, he's he's yeah. kind of like favourite uncle, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fabinho, finally, Jules. Really? You were singing his praises at the start yes. of the season, and he he was living up to your billing on uh, when when did they play? Was it? it was Wednesday, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, although albeit only against Red Star Belgrade, mm. uh, but I thought he was outstanding, and and it's a bit like Shaqiri. They, it was always going to take time, I think, for Fabinho to adapt to Klopp and the way. Liverpool are playing and I think the great thing about club and I know we talked a lot about love and managers is that club all the way since Fabinho arrived on his first day and they went away on a pre-season tour has spoken to him and told him this is going to take a bit of time I want you to do this and I want you to do that and I want you to adapt and there's the intensity is different and the way you're going to play is different and and this and that and he never left him out and didn't say anything to him and Fabinho was left out like what what's, what's happening why am I not playing he always said to him your your time will come just, just keep working, keep doing what you're doing at training and then your time will come. And I would be really surprised if now Fabinho was not going to play far more than he did so far this season because, a bit like Shakiri again, yeah. Klopp wanted them to be ready, not just ready to play physically, but ready to play in his system the way he wanted them to play. Plus, Henderson's out and Kate is out, so... And Henderson is rubbish anyway. So, Fabinho <laughs> is by far an upgrade on Henderson, like I've said from, from day one. Mm. No, no, more seriously... I think Fabinho will bring something completely different that we saw yesterday that we, sort of aggression the way he gets the ball back and even on the ball he's passing going forward all the time I think he's he's a, he's a great prospect and you don't spend 50 million euros on someone that you're never going to play it was just a question of time unless you're Man United of yeah, yeah. yeah true, and fine, true
0: George of course you've become quite uh, famous for your outspoken uh, comments uh, this season uh, another of which regarded Crystal Palace and their prospects of survival a lot of listeners getting in touch to say how does Jules feel now that it seems he might be proved right? Palace <laughs> in all sorts of trouble down the wrong end of the table. And they've got uh, an interesting clash at home to Arsenal this weekend. When is this game? I presume on Sunday. Yeah, yeah Sunday. Because, um, of course, Arsenal are in action this evening. Thursday evening, listener, they are taking on uh, Sporting in Portugal, in Lisbon. Uh, in what could be their 11th win in a row, is that right? Yeah, if, 11th, they, yeah. if they're victorious. Huh! Arsenal fans getting excited are they right to are they right to
2: yeah I think they're right not too much though they're coming get too excited right uh, because those 10 wins have been some quite good others more difficult to come but the last one was pretty special wasn't it Leicester on Monday
1: Yeah, I was there at Emirates Stadium on Monday and uh, Arsenal were very poor for the first half an hour really very very poor F- uh, first, full first half I they think. were multiple chances where they just went sleeping at the back and Leicester should have scored um, Harry Maguire had a fantastic opportunity from uh, Cross that Leno basically massive outstretched hand and then it was very much Torreira slowly going into the game cleaning up possession Oba coming in and then going alright we're going to score because we just have two of the some of the best number nines in Europe right now yeah, Arsenal always have a boxers chance because they have Lacazette and Arba but they have been wildly accumulating points at a rate that their performances don't really justify
0: You were talking before about Jadon Sancho's effectiveness off the bench possibly being the best in Europe Aubameyang's got to be in that conversation surely
4: Yeah, I mean he scored as many goals as a sub in the last two games as, he, uh, as Huddersfield have scored um, all season in the Premier League Yikes So He's better than Huddersfield, in my opinion. Right. Um, he's essentially the luxury Adam LaFondre, because uh, LaFondre had this sort of season a few years back for Reading, when he basically came on and just couldn't stop scoring. Um, and Aubameyang... I can't believe you're comparing
2: Young with Adam LaFondre. <laughs> well, it's crazy.
4: You know,
2: they're both good players. <laughs> both, fe- both effective from the bench. But like I said, movement on, on the three goals was incredible. And I know he didn't score, and I know some Arsenal fans sometimes are wondering what he's doing. But not just the assist for, or the second assist for for the second Aubameyang goal with Ozil and the dummy that Ozil did. His movement all around in that second half, especially, was just fantastic.
0: All right. So he's great. Aubameyang's great. Ozil had a fantastic performance by all accounts. Why is it that everyone's still unconvinced by Arsenal despite their extraordinary run of successes? Uh,
1: the the s- simple answer is granite jacker. The more complicated answer is the back five aren't have weaknesses. They're they're trying to play a high line with two. Uh, with defenders that are either too old or too uh, prone to brain farts. And Hector Bellerin is almost there, will get there eventually, but he's still prone to losing his man and making mistakes. And at left back right now, Monreal's injured. They had a weird moment in the second half where Grant Xhaka on a yellow card played as a left-sided centre-back and a back three, which, you know, if I'm Leicester, I'm like, right, I'm going to stick my fastest player to attack you there. Oh, they, Leic- they- Leicester's fastest player had to run off to go to the toilet so. <laughs> yes oh, did he Jamie Vardy yeah. had stomach cramps and had to go to the toilet in the middle of the game to mm-hmm. relieve Towards, himself yeah, and the Jason and
4: special as it's known mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they can be got at but also they have two great boxers chances
4: yeah I think the thing with Arsenal is that they just look like they're having fun for the first time in ages and Arsenal fans are enjoying it and I think even anyone who likes football is enjoying it because it's you know they, oh, it's were, great to watch. they were trudging through mud for so long and it's kind of it's refreshing. And Lucas Torreira
2: is looking like an incredible player in the making. I've got a, a, a very nice story about Lucas Torreira, by the way. If you Let's want hear it, Jules. His dad, he's got a big family, and his dad and some of his uncles um, came over at the beginning of the season from Uruguay to watch him play. And there was someone from the club looking after them in the stadium. And the, the first question the dad asked that person from Arsenal was, "Is my son being polite?" Does he say thank you? Does he say hello to people? And I think he tells you a lot, not just about Lucas Torreira, he's a great football player, and maybe his dad had a big role to play in Torreira, you know, becoming the player. He's not. But I think he was really telling for Lucas Torreira's dad to inquire about how his son is behaving off the field before anything else because I think he tells you a lot about the values that Lucas Torreira has it does shows thank you for that story
1: Arsenal fans also sing his name to uh, Ultravox's Vienna which I love I think that's a lovely touch he means something to me r oh, Torreira
2: yeah. you're going to cry <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, what's well, interesting, as for Palace, they lie 15th, barely two points from the drop. Literally no one big, saw this coming. Big news uh, oh. with Hodgson here. If he
4: if they don't win, yes. he goes below 30% on his win percentage.
2: Nowhere, Hang on. I and was that, thought he was the
4: best manager in the world. I mean, come on. If the one thing you can guarantee with Hodgson, it's a mid-30s win percentage. At West Brom it was 36, mm. Liverpool 35, Blackburn mm. 35, Fulham 34.
0: Currently he's on? 30.2326. <laughs> oh. Mm. So. All right. Well tough game coming up for palace then sunday afternoon we're gonna have more things about football after this listeners what's
3: more important than football that's right breakfast and that's why we've teamed up with campbells to bring you the best start to your day because breakfast is good but breakfast is better with campbells campbells is a family-run butchers who've been in business in scotland for over a century and they now deliver their delicious handmade sausages, outdoor reared pork, as well as a huge selection of steaks, roast poultry, and even fish right to your door. As a fan of our Totally Football shows, you can get yourself a fantastic Campbell's breakfast box for only 10 pounds. Just head to campbellsmeat.com now and enter the promo code TOTALLY and you'll get three types of sausage as well as a Cumberland ring, 12 rashes of unsmoked back bacon, and haggis and black pudding made to Campbell's traditional family recipe. So get your meat on by heading to campbellsmeat.com now and entering the promo code TOTALLY at the checkout. That's campbellsmeat, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L-S-M-E-A-T.com and the promo code TOTALLY, that's T-O-T-A-L-L-Y. Because
0: breakfast is better with Campbell's. Hey, here's some excellent news for Crystal Palace's near neighbours, Dulwich Hamlet. They're officially going back to their Champions Hill ground. Hurrah! Uh, clubs and supporters' Trust have reached an agreement with the council and the landlords, Meadow. And it looks like they're going to be back at home at Champions Hill this side of Christmas. That's great news because it did look touch and go. Hey, now it's a big weekend in Spain where you've got the Classico. A Clasico that features neither Cristiano Ronaldo, who's done one, uh, nor Leo Messi, who's uh, in the stands with his fractured arm. Let's get a little bit more build-up all the way from Barcelona. Graham Hunter joining us on the line. Graham, you're fresh out of a press conference for your new movie, Excitingly.
5: exciting. Well, I'm excited. I don't know if anybody else should be, but you're right, it's fair. And, and because it's a classical weekend, it's particularly nice to bring out Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, which we, based upon in the book, I wrote Barca, the making of the greatest team in the world, and we stole a phrase from Pep Guardiola. Um, he was in possession of the phrase, but we robbed it from him with our high pressing. And we called it take the ball pass the ball because that's his philosophy. He's not going to be in charge, although I suspect he'll be watching when Barca host Real did at the camp now. Poor old Julian Lopate, uh, the king of karaoke, as he told me uh, last Easter before he took Spain to the World Cup. And I challenged him to a karaoke duel in Krasnodar, Russia, which thanks to Florentino Perez, I'll never forgive the bugger. He robbed me of that chance to take on the Spain coach in a karaoke contest. He knows he's out. It's it's done He's gone. He's gone. He's done. Um I don't think you're the type who, having listened to you over the years, who probably approves of that, but you've seen it. You've seen trigger-happy presidents all over the globe, but principally in Italy. And when you're Florentino Perez and you've had two kind of transitional coaches, one he inherited in Vincente Boschi, who took over from John Toshak as a stopgap, and then as a stopgap won the Champions League. And then Zidane, who uh, Florentino Perez reached for in mid-season, phoning just about everybody else he had in his Rolodex before, saying to Zidane, well, do you want it then? as Zidane wins three straight champions, there are many people, particularly big billionaire entrepreneurs, who are used to that little voice in their head saying, I'm right, I'm right all the time, um, who will go well. Listen, what's wrong with an interim coach? What's wrong with sacking somebody midstream? Because we'll probably win the Champions League at the end of the season again. That's the thoughts that's going through Florentino's head right now, irrespective of Lopetegui's side, maybe even going to the camp now and winning, which I don't think they'll do. Mm. But Lopetegui will be sentenced when either Joachim Lowe, can be tempted away from Germany. I don't know how that will go. Or when Conte settles his um, financial um, wriggling with Chelsea. Um, at that point, one of those two, I think, will be appointed. You think it's one of
0: those two? There's been a lot of talk of Solari maybe taking over in yes. the interim.
5: Yes. You're right, as an interim. But if you look at Solari, he he doesn't have the either the charisma or the background or the... Zidane as an interim coach, which was the idea I think, and when he was first appointed that January when Benitez was sacked, was somebody who'd been the entire road with Florentino Perez. Remember that Florentino saw him at a lorry Scala in Monte Carlo in I think 2000 2001 and past that famous you know football's most famous, second most famous napkin after the one that Charlie Rex had signed Leo Messi for a Barcelona age 13 on in a tennis club um, as detailed and take the ball past the ball but Zidane had been with him from then. His number one, Florentino's number one love as a player. Will you come? Yes, he will. He he scores that goal at hand and he becomes, what was he? Football director under Florentino Perez and ambassador and scout and then assistant coach winning the Champions League under Ancelotti and then coach. He'd been the full pass. Solari hasn't been that, James. That's really important, I think, Mm. to understand. Doesn't carry the heft that Zidane did and therefore... Wojciech Loa has been somebody that Florentino Perez has lusted after for a long time because he believes one, he's a winning coach that's proven. Two, he brings a brand of football which Florentino Perez lusts after, the adoration that first Rijkaard's Barcelona got with that Ronaldinho Decoeto um, trio, and then Guardiola got. I, I, you know, there may be people on your. Listen to your podcast, you're like, well, I'm sick of Barcelona or I don't want to I don't like their possession play. Fine, idiots. But Florentino Perez craves desperately the adoration that Barca got. And he thinks that Joachim Lowe is somebody who could bring him that. Wow, victories it... plus beautiful, beautiful football. It's... Look at the way in which he transferred Demand Shaft, as one of your friends, Rafael Hunningstein, wrote all about.
0: No, absolutely. It's, it's a big shout. Graham, it's, it's a big shout, but, you know, time will tell. If you, if you, with this kind of lone voice suggesting that Yogi Love's going to take over, will be proved to be right, wouldn't be the first time. In the short term, though, what do you make of Sunday's clash between a Real Madrid team who got a, a fairly unconvincing win against Victoria Pilsen in the Champions League and a Barcelona team who were 2-0 winners over Inter without Leo Messi and uh, a good deal easier than many of us were predicting? Well, who do you think is going to light this one up in the, in the absence of Ron and Messi?
5: Can I, you know, I'm a cliche factory. Can I nick a phrase that's really well used in the UK at the moment? I think it's called a free hit for Julian Lopetegui. He knows he's out. He's approaching a classical when Florentino Perez can't get the new coach in in time. That makes it a free hit you pick the team you want you don't pick the team that the president expects so for example Courtois is a president's purchase a Courtois being bought was one of the reasons that Zidane said I've had it I'm out of here. I don't want to change Kayla Navas Kayla Navas is somebody who should be playing on Sunday he should be playing in the league poor old Thibaut Courtois as brilliant as he is is not on form Kayla yeah. Navas should be brought in that's something that Lopetegui in his free hit mode can afford to do he can afford to pick exactly the team he wishes to and not think Think about whether the president's going to be in the half or is going to sack him because that's a done deal already. Because I say that, if anybody hasn't followed Real Madrid, it's a highly political club where you sometimes, Rafa Benitez, picked Danilo in the classical that he lost 4-0 at home in the weeks leading up to his sacking because the president told him well your your team list trainer starts every week with Danilo right back because he's the best in the world and he wasn't even the best in their squad. So this time Lopateki can pick the 11 that he thinks will win he can have fun, he can relieve himself of the, the pressure of thinking about what Florentino Perez will, will decide based on the result of the performance. This is a game to stamp your authority on, that's what I would urge him to do because all of us neutrals watching will have more fun that way, and you're right. The intergame. If nobody on your brilliant podcast has mentioned this name to you before, Artur. Artur, the little Brazilian who has been at Football Club Barcelona for a couple of months, who's played six starts in all competitions, left the intergame to a standing ovation. And if you were short of sight or if you were wearing dark glasses that night, you'd say, that's Chavi playing. Look at the way he moves. Look at the way his arms are out to find balance and to test where players, look at the turn, look at the pass, look at the way he wants the ball all the time. This guy, Artur, is like a reinvention of Chavi. whether he'll be as great, whether the penetrative passing will be as brilliant. But at his age, Artur's age, Chavi was still a pivote playing in the middle of the uh, midfield he was about to be told by Frank Rijkaard I want you to play at right midfield and Chavi said to Frank Rijkaard I, I, I can't do it I'm, I'm scared I, that's not my role I haven't got it in me Rijkaard said you can and he became in my view the greatest Spanish football player ever because of that little change in maturity <laughs> Artur Melo is ahead of where Chavi was at 22 that's why football is beautiful it casts up lovely little stories and great games like the Clasico on Sunday
0: certainly does Barcelona taking the ball and passing the ball To great effect against Inter. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Your film from your book, uh, Grim, in cinemas from the 9th of November and then uh, three days later on DVD and digital download. Many thanks for joining us today. Good luck with the launch.
3: Thanks, Bob. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at com. Another continental
0: news, Duncan. There's two absolutely huge games in in Italy. Well, ten huge games, but two in particular that are very eye-catching. Of course, Derby del Sole, Derby of the South. Mm. Not a literal translation of that, but still Napoli-Roma. Napoli now four points behind Juve at the top of the table. That's going to be great. Roma with a big win midweek against CSKA Moscow. And Monday night, if you're not watching City take on Spurs, then why not have a bang... On Lazio Inter, because those games are always spectacular and often end in people in floods of tears, as we discuss in this week's Golazzo. Oh, well, I once went to that fixture. Did you? Hmm, the what one happened? in 2002? No, not the 5th no. of May 2002. Yeah, were I you was, in tears uh, at the end?
4: I was ducking because a lot of people were ripping out seats and using them as frisbees. Right.
0: But um, this was a, this was a game without getting too much into it, because it is the subject of our retro section of Galazzo this week, in which bizarrely, the entire stadium were chanting for the visiting team to score.
4: Yeah, and Poborski. Scored. Yeah, and everyone didn't went. get the memo, yeah, yeah.
0: Saint Poborski, uh, all right. Well, anyway, that's uh, that was a fabulous game to go to, six goals and all that. And uh, it was pretty exciting when the two teams clashed at the end of last season. Uh, be uh, interesting to see what happens on Monday night. Uh, in France, Jules, nous avons le
2: classique, le classique. And the link is there because Marseille play Lazio tonight, ah, yeah, of course, on Thursday. Nice, Lazio got hammered in their last Europa League game, I think. They got,
0: was it 4 0 by track Frankfurt? How are Marseille doing? Under Not great.
2: One point in two games in the Europa League before really? tonight. So it's already a must-win game against Lazio. And then four days later, you've got a classic at the Stade Velodrome. Marseille haven't, be- haven't beaten PSG sorry, in seven years, since really? 2011. Is PSG's lead still in single figures? It's- so it's 11 points clear of Marseille oh. and only eight in front of Lille. But PSG with a perfect 10. 10 wins in 10 uh, league matches so far. They've been far too good for our league. Right. OK. Thierry Henry, meanwhile, will be having his first
0: home game with Monaco. So that'll be an event they're taking on Dijon on Saturday, yeah. Yeah, he had his first game in the Champions League on. Oh God, what time was it? Was it Wednesday? Yes. All Wednesday. right. So his Monaco team, after defeat at Strasbourg at the weekend, losing Falcon in that match, went to Bruges, yeah, back in Belgium, and uh, it didn't go well for him.
2: It gotta be better, I guess, because they got. To- they going draw. It's, right. it's a point. I think he would have he would have taken that before kickoff as well, considering all the players missing. You said Falcao, mm. Subasic. He lost Jovetic after ten minutes. Yeah. Ronnie Lopez is out as well. Plus all, a lot of the other young younger players. Um, it's a tough. It's a tough situation for him. I think obviously he knew it when he took over Jardim in um, what was it ten days ago? A bit more than ten days ago. Almost two weeks ago now. Uh, but it is really difficult because I think even himself, tactically, he's still f- trying to figure out what his best system is, what the best team is, where to put the players. I mean, he played last night with two 18 year olds as the two centre forwards Sofian Diop, who is very, very talented and very promising, and Musa Sila, who is also very good.
0: If there's one thing Monaco have got, it's a, a steady supply of really talented youngsters.
2: But wouldn't you think, though, year? that when you sack Jardim, who. Yeah. As we said before, he's very good with you know youngsters and, and bringing them through. Right. Would you have needed someone with experience, a bit like a Lucien Favre, for mm. example, to try to get those kids to the right level? Because clearly they were not under Jardim. I mean, one win in thirteen now for them, mm. and that was back in in August. And instead, you went for a big name, but someone who's never managed before. Yeah. So yeah, his relationship with with his players, and especially the younger ones who have who grew up watching him play, basically yeah. pretty much. Would be great for sure, but I'm not sure he has the experience needed to get those kids right. Up or, to scratch.
0: or, and I, I don't want to be rude here, but perhaps not the people skills either. He's not we're, a massively warm fellow. Kieran he's
2: he. I think he can be if he wants to. Really, but he's not. I think if in his uh, in his first press conference, a few of the uh, the French boys, the French journalists, were a bit surprised on how much he gave, oh. especially because Patrick Vieira, just down the road in Nice, have mm. been very warm and very open to everyone and i think thierry is the complete opposite and i think again it'd be interesting to see for someone who's been so demanding as a player Mm. how he will deal with the players when they don't get to the level of of demand and of expectations that he wants i don't know and i I don't think he knows himself so we will all discover at the same time
0: Mm. it's fascinating isn't it (laughs) in scotland good lord They're already on the Scottish League Cup semi-finals. It's October. If you think the Christmas decorations go up early each year, there's nothing on the Scottish League Cup semi-finals, which feature this weekend. Celtic taking on Hearts. Hearts, by the way, six points clear again at the top of the uh, SPL after Tuesday's uh, 3-0 win over Dundee. Celtic uh, are Thursday evening away at uh, RB Leipzig. Rangers in Europa League action. there at home to Spartak, Moscow. They'll be taking on Aberdeen in the other semi-final. Hampton, That's going to be very exciting indeed. Meanwhile, in America, this Sunday sees the final round of games in the MLS regular season. Do you know what they call it, Duncan?
4: I don't, actually. They call it Decision Day. Nice. What happens if all the decisions have been made, which a lot of them have? I don't
2: know. there's only two
0: spots left, I think. Well, in the east, there's one playoff berth left and Columbus Crew-Montreal impact rivals for that. In the west, LA Galaxy need at least a draw... And they can take the sixth and final spot, which is in the playoffs, currently occupied by Real Salt Lake. Salt Lake have already played their final game because there are 23 teams in MLS. Yeah. Anyway, so they'll be watching. Uh, Zlatan and company are home to the not very good Houston Dynamo, who've lost their last three games. It's all really exciting, which is why, as we mentioned on Monday, we're actually launching for the MLS postseason a special Totally Football Show American Edition hosted by kobe jones that is good that is good isn't it and it all kicks off tomorrow here is the man himself with a reminder
2: hello i'm kobe jones and from october 26 you can join me and the team on the totally football show american edition throughout the playoffs we'll be
6: here and across the united states and canada to follow the postseason to its dramatic conclusion in our first week Join me, Canadian national team player Lauren
2: Sesselman, City of Angels, PJ Harrison and Tim Walsh as we talk you through all the action. We can't wait to get started.
0: Jules, you're all over MLS. I love MLS. I think it's great. How excited are you for the playoffs?
2: Yeah, it's going to be really cool. I'm glad that DC United and when Rooney managed to get a spot. I mean, he's been incredible for them. They've been really good. Tata Martino is leaving Atlanta at the end of the season, so I hope they can he can go on a you know, on a on a great ending, and then and then winning it because they've got for me the two best players in the league anyway. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great if Zlatan can get that final spot in the West because I think you need Zlatan in in, in the postseason in the playoffs. That would be that could be fantastic. Indeed, so
0: Jules. Hey, let's get back to the Premier League. We talked about the situation at the top. What about at the other end? Well, Brighton look reasonably comfortable there after they win away at Newcastle. They're in 12th place, six points clear of the sticky stuff, below them you've got eight teams who are all either in or within a defeat, in and around basically the bottom three Newcastle are bottom, West Ham are in there despite that kind of mini revival they've been on, Burnley are down there as well Hey Newcastle they've got to go to Saints, this will be a high scoring thriller <laughs> What's the XG on this? Uh, it doesn't breaking, work. Well, like I mean,
4: it, obviously, though? everyone, pretty much everyone, knows now that Southampton have uh, lots and lots of shots, but but never really score. Um, I had a quick play with the numbers, and hmm. if you wanted Southampton to score fifty goals this season, which seems like a reasonable amount for for Southampton, um, at their current rate of shots, they'd need to have one thousand and thirty four shots to reach fifty goals. How many matches? What? In, in the 38 games. Oh, I see, OK. Um, and the most ever recorded um, in a single Premier League season is 834 by Chelsea in 2009-10.
0: So what you're saying is they've got a terrible conversion record?
1: Yes. Right. Awful.
0: OK. Uh, as for Newcastle, their record in most categories is pretty dire. Tristan Hill wants to know if Rafa Benitez should get more stick for it. He points out that uh, we say that Jose's destroying the confidence of his defenders by saying they're not good enough. Uh, Rafa Benitez, though intimates that his whole squad is not up to scratch, but everyone says how good a job he's doing taking on Mike Ashley.
4: Well, I mean, I guess if the squad isn't good enough, then he can point the finger at at the people above him. But yeah, there comes a point when, you know, Newcastle could make a change possibly and improve a bit, so... That, that decision may be coming I guess mm. um, the last team if they don't win against Southampton the last teams to not win any of their opening 10 games and not go down are Derby not oh. not that Derby oh. the 2000 and 2001
0: Derby ok alright then uh, Saints of course had that draw away to Bournemouth which was uh, nice anyway uh, ok West Ham mentioned that they're in trouble too they are visiting lesser at the weekend do you know they've accrued the lowest points total since they finished bottom under Avram Grant in a stat which I'm pretty sure we also brought you on Monday but it's still true both sides coming into this off back- to-back defeats by the way what's happened to Okazaki
1: he's he came on on Monday night he on. did he? he did but he's uh theycorp still very much is trying to figure out how to get the best of out of kalechi iniacha okay who started
4: very well on Monday he a did. couple of chances yeah, early on well. Um, Powell's now in his traditional position of uh, having lost two games in a row mm. and being under pressure, but he always wins the third game, usually. So right. He hasn't lost three in a row.
0: Okay, and he's facing a, a West Ham team which won't be able to field uh, Yamalenko, poor chap, because he's got that ruptured Achilles. Uh, one of the, a lengthy West Ham injury list, actually. I think uh, eight players in
2: total out. And Anatovich is not fully 100% is he's he playing not- but he's not. You could tell he's not completely fit either. OK. Burnley mentioned they're in some trouble as well. They host
0: Chelsea. Burnley beaten by Manchester City 5-0 last time out. Chelsea will be coming off a midweek Europa League or a Thursday night Europa League clash with Bate Borisov, but they're at home, so that should be all right.
4: Yeah, I mean, Burnley, after uh, Sean Dyke said he, you can get drunk on stats and misuse yes. them, they didn't have a single shot on target against City. So <laughs> can you get drunk on no shots? don't know.
0: Very nice, Duncan. Very nice. In yeah. other Premier League news this weekend, Brighton take on Wolves.
4: Oh. I'm very excited about this game. Do yes. you want to know why? Because it
0: is the longest
4: name clash in Premier League history.
0: Brighton and Hove Albion against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah, forty How
4: many? Uh, it's forty three characters. So it beats <laughs> it beats West
0: Bromwich Albion v. Wolverhampton Wanderers, which right. is the current record holder. Brighton showing some character themselves looking for their third win in a row, although Glenn Murray Will he have to miss this because he had concussion last week?
1: I what? hope so. Certainly, yeah. it was a very, very bad injury. His head went; he was concussed in the air and then landed and knocked his head when in he contact with the floor. I'd like him to miss three games, just to be sure, because okay. the, the concussion yeah. problem isn't Process. the concussion problem isn't the first concussion. It's if you get concussed again while you're healing from the first concussion, which creates a a domino effect where you, that's where the severe. Memory problems and other issues can occur. So, I'd like him to miss at least one week.
4: Certainly, given Chris Heath in a selection headache. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. uh, anyway, so Brighton taking on Wolves, and uh, maybe Nuno Espirito Santo might change the team after that shock defeat. Yeah, hasn't done it, it Yeah, to Watford. But we'll see. We could be in for it. Mm. Other Premier League fixtures include Fulham's clash with Bournemouth. Fulham are on course to concede 106 league goals this season, extrapolating their current rate of uh, goals conceded. That would break the record, I think, Duncan. Is that right? It would.
4: Swindon got the record 100 in... 93, Swindon. ...93-94 and that was with 42 games. Right. Um, if they let in five this weekend, they'll be the first team to let in 30 in their opening 10 since the West Brom mid-80s team. Do you remember West Brom had... The No Smoking logo as their sponsor for a couple of years. That's nice. And they did no defending.
0: Bournemouth (laughs) Bournemouth Bournemouth on their last uh, held goalless by Southampton last weekend but on their last road trip they had a a mighty away win against Watford.
1: They've got Mm, a fantastic front three system. They're playing very direct football now. Callum Wilson, Josh King and Ryan Frazier. Frazier. Um, Eddie Howe tweaked his system from a less possession based football to just hit him quickly and it seems to be working.
0: Alright. And The other Premier League game this weekend is Watford-Huddersfield. Huddersfield Uh, Huddersfield never score, as you were pointing out before, Duncan, but do you know what happened last time they went to Vicarage Road? They had a spree. They won (laughs) 4-1. Four goals.
4: Yeah, and they they even beat um, Watford at home as well.
0: Did they? And that
4: was their only win in their last 19 in the Premier League, which um, doesn't reflect that well on Watford for me. Right,
0: but it does suggest this might be a surprise win for the Terriers. How about that? Okay, excellent. Well mentioned that we were going to get some odds on Champions League and that kind of thing. It is, of course, courtesy of Paddy Power, who've been speaking to producer Ben.
3: Thank you, Jimbo. Lee Price from Paddy Power is on the line. Lee, it's been a mixed week, shall we say, for teams in Europe, English teams, that is. Um, We'll talk about some of them later on. Let's go to the Premier League, though. Liverpool taking on Cardiff. Can they once again
6: score four goals and really get going in the league? Yeah, quite possibly, although both teams did score four last time out. So the four all draw at 200 to one might be tempting uh, if you're slightly mad. Liverpool to score four or more goals is six to four. Cardiff to do the same is 175 to one.
3: All right, let's talk about Arsenal. Uh, they were fairly sensational against Leicester in patches. Lovely goals. I think they're going to beat Palace,
6: but can they finish in the top four this season? Hmm, a yes and a no. Uh, they're four to five odds on to beat Palace. Palace looked terrible. Sorry, Palace fans. Arsenal look great. Um, but Arsenal are just fifth favourites to finish in the top four. They're six to five, although they are a long way ahead of Man United in that market.
3: On to Europe then. The big one in Spain is the Clasico. Can Real win this? And even if they do, is Lopetegui going to last until, say, you know, Tuesday?
6: <laughs> yeah both teams in a weird form at the minute Barca are the favorites they're home after all and they are better form just they're 10 to 11 to get the win real quite a chunky 5 to 2 here the draws 13 to 5 as for lopetegui it's just 10 to 3 that he's sacked by the 1st of november with conte the even money favorite to replace him permanently
3: and finally the champions league City and Juve both putting on a very, very impressive showings. Are they the two favourites for the
6: for the big trophy? They're not. Uh City are the favourites, they're nine to two, but apparently beating a terrible Man United team isn't enough to be second favourites for Juve. They're third in the betting at eleven to two. Barcelona between those two sides at five to one. A certain Lionel Messi, I suspect.
0: Listen. you can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. 18-plus only begambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. We're back on Monday. Michael Cox, Jack Lang, Alvaro Romeo will be on board to discuss what happens in all of those weekend games and look forward to whatever's happening midweek. Not very much, I suspect, next week. Can't think of anything. What are you, what are you going to be up to? Just watching football, right. as per. Right. Yeah. If you if on Friday night, if you're short of something to do, let me tell you. Ah, uh, yeah. Episode four of the Great British Model Railway Challenge.
4: Who won last week? Because we talked about it last week. I
0: can't, can't, the listeners might not have caught up with it yet because it's uh, yeah, you know, word of mouth slowly spreading. Yeah, <laughs> it it is. It's word of mouth is slowly spreading. Last week, I'm not. I don't Someone came th- up
4: to me last weekend and said that
0: they had watched it. Right, and yeah, what kind of, right. of haunted look did they have in
2: their eyes? They were the only,
0: yeah. Basically, oh. basically, listeners, it's Bake Off with model trains, and the theme this week is fire, fire and ice. Ooh, fire wow. and ice. Wow. So, uh, yeah, well uh, anyway, that's eight o'clock on Friday on Channel Five. What else will be? <laughs> <laughs> will be
2: lighting your fire this weekend, Jules. Uh, my son has a cricket tournament on Brilliant. Saturday, so I'll be doing that. And then- Excellent. Watching a lot of football on Sunday. Sunday's a big day for football, like
1: Duncan. Absolutely. Carl? Uh, I am in research for Parts Unknown Season 3, the wrestling podcast. Yes. Out of the stable, muddy knees. So we're returning for Season 3, talking about WrestleMania 9, starting from Hulk Hogan wrestling Yokozuna. Those who know will know. Mm.
0: Yes. Okay, listener much to look forward to then we're back on monday you have a great weekend bye for now
3: you've been listening to the totally football show a muddy knees media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddyneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts the revamped totally football league show with caroline barker and the brand new totally scottish football show Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day.